This is the Caniac Report. I am Sam Wallace, and this episode, we're going to be recapping the entry draft. Coming to you from the heart of Kane's country, this is the Caniac Report. Your number one source for everything Carolina Hurricanes, hot takes, predictions, game analysis, and NHL news. And now your hosts, Sam Wallace and Sam Driscoll. All right, so yes, it is just me this episode. Your one and only Sam Wallace. And yes, there is a one and only Sam Driscoll. <laughs> but we're going to get down to uh, some NHL news here, then some Canes news. We know that there's a quite a bit of speculation surrounding a particular player that might be coming here, might be not, but we will discuss it. And then we will get into recapping the entry draft. So, first things first, a couple of NHL news that I want to get to here. Uh, number one is Mike Babcock is named the head coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I think some fans might be surprised that he's coming back, obviously. But for Columbus, they're getting a veteran coach that can uh, hopefully possibly help him get into the playoffs. I think Columbus is a good, exciting bunch surrounding with uh, veterans, with young players. I think of the veterans as like Johnny Gaudreau, Boone Jenner, um and the young players that are coming into the lineup, I think Adam Fantelli's going to make the the club this season, and I think Kent Johnson's going to improve, and then you also have Kirill Marchenko too. I think there are so many good, solid players that Columbus has that could threaten to get into the playoffs. So uh, you definitely have a veteran coach, and my Babcock. We'll see how that turns out, which is. Seems pretty a decent move, I think, from Columbus. And the next type of NHL news that we're going to get to is Philip Zadina is waived by Detroit. I think this is interesting, although I don't think it's surprising in the fact that he has had his struggles here in Detroit. Well, I wouldn't say here in Detroit because I'm not in Detroit, but. I mean, Philip Zadina is a first-round pick. He was pit, uh right before Quinn Hughes in the 2018 draft, and us Canes fans know that draft pretty well because that's the draft where we selected Andrei Svechnikov. Boy, was that a brilliant move looking back Was as we pick Andrei Svechnikov. But yeah, Philip Zadina, um, he, it's not worked out in Detroit, but you know what? I do think teams are going to be interested. I'm not saying the Canes are, although I wouldn't be surprised if we tried to get him because I don't think there will be a lot of pressure. Again, Detroit is an original six team. There might be a little bit more pressure on him to perform, but if he chose to go with another team, I think... That team could reap a lot of good benefits of betting on a guy like Zadina. Uh, he's still young, so I think he he can still try and be a good 
goal scorer. That's that's why he was drafted was his goal scoring ability. Uh, his, I remember his goal scoring ability was right behind that of Svechnikov's as being one of the best in the draft. So good for, well, not good for Phillips with DM for being waived, but. Let's hope if he, he goes to another team, he gets a second chance, and hopefully he flourishes. And the last piece of NHL news I wanted to get to is Patrick Kornfist, who I know us Canes fans know pretty well as he played for Pittsburgh, and he was instrumental for Pittsburgh in winning a couple of Stanley Cups. He decides to retire. He started his career out in Nashville, then gets gets traded to Pittsburgh. Um, that was orchestrated by a former GM in Jim Rutherford, and then he ends his career with a few seasons in Florida. Uh, he was a player that was to me a grinder player. Uh, he he hustled in every shift, and you know what? Uh, his ret- with him retiring, good luck to him. In retirement, because I do think he was a great player overall. I think he was a really good player, a player that I think Carolina possibly could have had in his prime because, again, he was a grinding type of player, and you like those type of players. So, yeah, so that's all we're going to get to some NHL news, and now we're going to get to Kane's news here. And, yes, this Kane's news is reflected on one question. Is Tarasenko joining the Hurricanes? He might. He might not. We don't know. Um, I will explain the situation here with what happened with Tarasenko. So, first, what was being reported from David Pignota is that Tarasenko's agent, before he got fired, said that it's being narrowed down to two teams. Ottawa, which does make some sense. If they're trading Alex Deprinkin, they're going to want another goal scorer. And Carolina. And I think when that tweet was out on Twitter, it it shocked us fan base. And I think we were mostly pretty happy, to be honest. Now, he's a winger. He doesn't play center. But he can be a goal scorer, and he can be that goal scorer that this Hurricanes team needs. Because, listen, you can criticize maybe some of the defensive miscues that this team had, especially in the round where we got eliminated by the Panthers. But that's not the reason why we got eliminated. We got eliminated because of a hot goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky, and our offense once again got dried up. So Tarasenko joining the Hurricanes, I think that is a great move, but I also think that doesn't really solve the whole problem in the fact that I think this team really needs a second-line center. I have said this before multiple times that they need a second-line center. I don't think KK becomes the second-line center this season, but he very well could when we end it, and he still has potential to be a second-line center. Jordan Stahl, I think his offense is kind of drying up, in my opinion. He's not getting the day younger, 
And I think him, Martin Hook, and Foss should be a line that should be a fourth line type of role. But I've already explained that, I believe, in the previous episode before this. So if you haven't listened to that, please listen to that. So Tarasenko joining the Hurricanes, I think that's a really great idea. But here's the news that probably gets us maybe a little bit concerned in the fact that Tarasenko decided to fire his agent and to hire new ones. And we all know what that means. He wants more money. That's usually how it all is. And if he wants to bet himself, honestly, that's fine. But I hope he's a player that's smart enough to know what the market is right now. And the fact that if he wants to win the Stanley Cup, he might not get as much as he might possibly want. Again, I'm not saying he shouldn't go for it, but it's the cap is tight right now, especially with teams that are considered cup contenders like us. Like, I would say Colorado is in that area. I would say probably maybe the Rangers. Maybe New Jersey. So, again, there are going to be quite a few teams that are going to be interested in Tarasenko, but they have very small cap space in order to make that work. So, if, if Tarasenko wants to get more money, that's fine, but he might not get it from these uh, cup contending teams. Um, another thing, too, it, with uh, Tarasenko is that obviously I think after the season the cap is supposed to rise at least four million I think is what's being reported it could be as much as ten million it, it, I mean if he's a player that really does want to get paid he could take on a one year deal uh, we've seen in this free agency class where a lot of players have taken one year deals so I could definitely see a one-year deal with Tarasenko from the Hurricanes, and I think that makes the most sense, to be honest, is a one-year deal. And also considering, if you look at Cap Friendly too, we already do have quite a few players signed long-term. I mean, I think of KK, I think of Svetch. Doran Stahl is signed for quite some time. You do want to start to probably be a little bit more tight and more conservative with your money, considering that we haven't even re-signed Ajo yet to a long-term deal. And I shouldn't have said resign, but extend him for a long-term deal. I don't know what the holdup on that is. I hope, I really hope this is a question of when and not if with Ajo, because we haven't received any report. But I'm going to be hopeful that this does get done with Ajo. And I think Tarasenko, going back to him, I really do think a one-year deal uh, will help both the team and the player. And I th- it, it could possibly make a lot of sense for him to join. I think if he does join, I could see a player like Jack Jury being traded. I could see a player like even Tara Vina being traded. He did not have a good season this past season. But, as we've seen before, with Natchez, is that if you keep him 
possibly for another year, especially after having a not-so-good season, Teravainen could bounce back. And if you look at his contract, he's on a contract year. He could break out back into that player that we know he can be. The question is, how much faith does the Hurricanes front office have in Teravainen? So I, I would say those two players are probably going to be in question with uh, being traded if we do add Tarasenko. Again, I still think um, we need to solve a second center line issue. So that's my take on the whole Tarasenko situation. So now let's review the entry draft that we had last week. But before we do, let's get to our sponsor. New customers, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code THPN. Bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpmai.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Boo Hill Casino and Resort. In West Virginia, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. One boost per eligible game. Opt-in required. Max bet $50, 10 plus leg requirement for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash baseball terms. Okay, so let's get to the draft. So how we're going to do this is I'll be covering the entry draft a little bit as a whole as to like surprises and other notable things. And then we're going to get to the King selections in the later half of it. Now, before I get to any of that stuff, um, I just want to say a few things about just the entry draft itself and the fact that I honestly love watching it. No matter what stage the Hurricanes are at, whether they're a cup-winning team or I would say cup-contending team, or if they're a rebuilding team, I like watching the entry draft because to me there are two reasons. One, I'm excited for the player. They have an opportunity to play in the most popular league in the world, the NHL. And I, I, I'm really happy to see their faces faces a little bit glow up uh, and, and just be happy that they're getting drafted by an NHL team. And another reason is the player's family. Obviously, the player's family is probably uh, the m- most supporting of the player because they had to make sacrifices. And if you um, are listening, 
that uh, have a kid playing hockey, I'm sure you've had to make some sacrifices for your kid to play hockey, obviously. Time, money, and seeing uh, the player's family uh, just react, being very happy and get to the point to where you see tears, obviously, just really honestly just warms my heart because it shows that their sacrifice and their time have actually paid off in their player or their kid basically getting drafted. So I just love um, watching the draft for those reasons. So for the entry draft, what was really to me the most surprising um, wasn't really the selections. It was the fact that there were no trades in the first round at all, which I think caught a lot of us off, off guard, not just me. But yeah, it was the first draft since 2007 where no trades happened. Yeah, that's a very, very long time. But I think that shows that this draft is very deep, which made it harder to get picks because there were a couple teams that were really trying to um, get a pick in the top 10. And they just couldn't do that because they really liked the players that the teams had in the top 10 uh, to be selected. So that was one of the surprises. The others are the selections. Um, Obviously, Connor Bedard goes number one. That's not really a huge surprise. But second, which... I think was a little bit of a surprise was Leo Carlson going second over Adam Fantelli. Because Adam Fantelli, if you looked at all of these scouts, he was projected to go number two. But Anaheim took Leo Carlson at two. And, and here's the thing. I don't think there's really a devastating blow of not taking Fantelli. I think Carlson is right there with Fantelli. Now, I think Adam Fantelli's probably a little bit more NHL-ready right now, possibly. But Leo Carlson, he, he is projected to be a superstar right up there with Fantelli. So, I didn't think that was a bad choice from Anaheim's point of view. And then, I think another surprise is um, Montreal choosing David Rainbacher, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And... I think the surprise for that is because Matiev Mitchkov fell a few projected spots to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was like, you know, we're going to take this guy. Now, this shouldn't really come as a huge surprise, though, because apparently Mitchkov wanted to go to a few selected teams. And Philadelphia is one of them. So I can see him dropping for that reason. If I was Montreal and Mitchkov would not want to sign, with us, I wouldn't draft him. I probably would draft other guys ahead of him. That's just how it is. Um, one thing I do want to point out, which I thought was really clever by the NHL, is obviously San Jose selected Will Smith fourth overall. No, not the actor, but the hockey player. But I loved that they played the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air music as he was walking to the stage. And I thought that was just wonderful. <laughs> Another thing, too, that I thought was really notable was Arizona uh, wearing uh, the same color of suits, basically. And I really liked that because 
it, it's it's the same color that the team uses. It's that desert type of color, and it's it's really good. Props to Arizona. I thought it was funny when I heard Elliot Friedman's response to that because apparently he wore something similar. But yeah, I thought that was funny all around. And other uh, small surprises that I would say in the draft was Oliver Moore uh, was uh, picked up by Chicago uh, at the 19th position. I think everybody thought he was going to get picked higher because of his skating ability. And he is known to be the fastest skater in this draft and if you're really good at skating you already have an advantage going into the nhl and you probably have an easier time as well so to me that was a bit of a a surprise and another surprise too that was projected to go in the first round he fell to the second picked up by washington was andrew crystal so i was surprised that he fell that far but i can see why and the fact that he's like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, he's a very small dude. And a lot of these teams, especially if you look at Vegas, they won the Stanley Cup, is teams like big players. Now, there are exceptions. There are players that are small that are great. I think of Alex DeBrinkitz, who plays amazing despite his size and you also have martin st louis from tampa he was a small dude nathan gerby if you remember him so small dudes can have their time here in the nhl it's just probably a little bit harder than those who are um in the six foot range now we're going to get to the cane selections here and obviously in the first round picking 30th uh, Kane selects Bradley Nadeau. Now, this is a deep draft. So, it, Bradley Nadeau, I think, has signs of really being a top six for the NHL. He played for the Penticton Vs in the BCHL. And he his stats, 45 goals, 68 assists for a total of 113 points in 54 games. That is honestly very excellent. And playoffs show no disappointment either. He had 17 goals, 18 assists for a total of 35 points in 17 games. And he is known for his goal scoring. Another thing, too, about teams drafting these players um, can kind of reflect what they kind of want in the here and now state of things because you know Carolina obviously we need goal scoring and with them selecting Bradley Nadeau who is known for his goal scoring potential it makes sense and another thing too that goes along with his goal scoring that's really been coveted is his high compete level and that's one thing I have noticed with looking at a lot of these players that we selected in this draft is the high compete level because Don Waddell, Rob Brindamore, yes, they want great, skillful players. But on the other side of that, you can tell they want players that want to win. They Players that have also character too. Um, and Bradley Nadeau... I do believe also with his high compete is that he wants to play and he has good character. And those are players that Canes really want. And I'm happy that they choose players that have very good character too, because 
it can come a long way into building culture in the locker room. Now, obviously, you're drafting 30th in the first round. Bradley Dodeau is going to take probably a few years. I would say probably four to five years. If he hits the NHL, that's just usually how it is, especially if you're picking 30th, because you're not going to get a Connor Bedard type of player at 30th. So there is a bit of a trade-off there for being a team that advanced to the final four, you're not going to get a good quality player in the draft as you would to a team that's obviously dead last like Chicago, of course. So Bradley Nadeau, I really liked that pick. And obviously if you saw our preview, we went through scenarios, both Sam and I on what the Canes might do with that pick. And they chose to select a player. And honestly, I was happy with that. I know our co-host Sam probably isn't as happy as I am, but I think it could have been worse in the fact that they could have traded down because they've already done that again. And we've already been through that question. You can go back to our episode of previewing the draft. It can be a little bit redundant of doing it again because they did it a couple years ago. But they chose to select, and I think um, that is an okay scenario. I know Sam and I, I think we both prefer, because the Canes are in a win-now position, for them to trade that pick. But you know what? They chose to select, and I am fine with that, because obviously, yes, you do want to win in the here and now, but you also want to be good in the future, too. And I think... For a team like the Hurricanes, they could really benefit from that type of mindset, especially when you've been through a almost 10-year playoff drought. So the other selections that the Hurricanes made, what's funny is that all of these players, including Bradley Nadeau, actually, are right-handed shooters, except for two players, but both of those players are goalies that we drafted and we only selected two goalies in the draft funny enough they both come from russia but you know what it makes sense because russia is producing high quality goalies they just are look at igor shesterkin kachekov in our system he's projected to be a starting goalie in the nhl he's not right now i i don't think but I think with time, Kachekov can definitely be a starting goalie. And you also have Vasilevsky, who's kind of the king right now in terms of Russian goalies because obviously he has won Stanley Cup rings. And there's also Ilya Sorokin, too, from the Islanders. So, yeah, Russia has produced quality goalies, and it makes sense to choose goalies from Russia, obviously. Now, the other players in the second to seventh rounds, aren't as noticeable as Bradley Nadeau is. That's usually how it is. But to me, there is one player that a little bit stood out in the fact that I didn't think he'd be taken in the third round, but we did. We selected him, and that's Jaden Perron. I thought he was going to be more of a second-round type of pick. But out of all the players from the second to the seventh round that we selected, Jared, or sorry, Jaden Perron probably um, has the highest chance of becoming a top six NHL forward. Uh, Now, Felix Unger-Sorum, 
who we selected in the second round. He's more of a playmaker type of guy. And what's funny is that if he was actually drafted, I believe, two days um, later, he would have been in this year's draft. So I found that interesting. But you know what? It's good for his development I because he'll probably... It'll, pro- it'll probably take a little bit long. Well, I I won't say it wouldn't take a little bit longer, but little, there'll be a little bit more leeway. And again, I'm getting all this research from Elite Prospects. Elite Prospects is a website that scouts prospects, and they are an excellent website. I highly recommend them. That's what I use to get research from the players that the Hurricanes have selected. Um, another player, too, is Alexander Rykov. Again, he shoots right-handed, but he's a kind of another playmaking type of player, along with Jaden Perron, who I s- said a minute ago probably has the highest chance of highest chance of making it to the NHL. You also have uh, players like Stanislav Yarov, who I haven't gotten a lot of research from him, but what I've heard is that he has good puck handling skills. Another thing, too, especially with looking at these playmakers that we have selected in the later rounds, usually if you're a playmaker, you're going to have better hockey IQ and senses that come with that, too. And it, it makes sense because if you're trying to set up other players, you need to have the vision. You need to have the hockey IQ of not just passing it to them, but knowing when to pass it to them so they can get a good quality chance in order to score. So think of those players along the lines of probably a little bit like Ajo, even though Ajo, I think, is more of a two-way forward, and Tara Vinan, I think, is a very good prime example on the fact that he is a playmaker. He's definitely a pass-first type of guy. And then you actually have a defenseman drafted in Charles Alexis Lejeune. And what's interesting about him is that he is six foot three. He is the tallest player that we have drafted. Most of these players that we have drafted, other than Michael Emerson, which, which uh, we will get to, he was selected in the sixth round by us, is that they are either... They range from five foot eight to uh, six foot, and that is including Bradley Nadeau. And we've talked about this in a previous episode. And the fact that a lot of the players that were going to be selected in the first round and possibly by us at that stage were not really big players, and and of course we need size. But again, you can't just knock a player's chances out of the water because they're small. But yeah, there's to round out the prospects, uh, Timur Mukinov from Russia and Michael Emerson selected in the sixth round. Then you have Yegor Valamakin, a goalie selected, selected in the seventh. And those are the prospects of the 2023 draft selected by your very own Carolina Hurricanes. So Valamakin, a goalie, again, it's in the seventh round. There's probably very little chance he makes it to the NHL. But along with him and Rushlin Kaziev, 
both goalies, I mean, their stats aren't terrible. But, again, um, they're selected in the fifth and seventh rounds for a reason. So, you kind of need to take it for a grain of salt, but yet you never know. That's just how it is with these prospects. And Michael Emerson, I do want to talk about him for a little bit because he was selected in the sixth round, and he's going to be playing for the University of North Dakota. What's interesting about that is is he, is that he's going to be playing on the same team with Jaden Perron, who we selected in the second round, and I believe Jackson Blake, who we selected, I believe, a couple drafts ago. So, University of North Dakota is already filled with Hurricanes prospects, which is very interesting. So, this is going to be a bit of a shorter episode because it's mainly dealing with the entry draft and prospects. Uh, but I hope you guys really got... Uh, a good informative episode and yes Sam Driscoll will be back for the next episode and we can't wait to see you guys then bye thanks for listening to the Kaniac Report be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss a future episode can't get enough of the Kaniac Report For more content or to connect with the Sams, check them out on Instagram and Twitter at The Kaniac Report. We'll see you next time.